0: 23 to 7, it's a frost on the windscreen kind of morning. We've got some pictures being sent through to us, thanks to uh, Corey and uh, others on the text line. 2.7 degrees outside at the moment. So similar to yesterday, not quite as cool as the day before. We'll have full weather details very shortly. And then before 7 o'clock... Listen up if you're someone that relies on childcare, has come to rely on it, or you're not sure what you're going to do when suddenly it starts costing again. And Amanda Rishworth will be our guest before seven o'clock. We'll have a chat with that. And there's two elements to this. There's what it means for people who are consumers and there's what it means to the centres themselves who will have the the double whammy of, of the subsidy disappearing, but also JobKeeper disappearing. Hmm. So it's a precariously positioned industry at the moment. We'll have more on that before seven. Vincent McIverney is our UK correspondent. He's in London. Vincent, good morning to you. Good morning. Incredible scenes in the UK with uh, with statues coming down. Uh, a few raised an eyebrow at the Churchill graffiti the other day. But what's the latest in terms of these protests that seemingly have, have, have almost now been as bad in the UK as anywhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, the protests, I think, took everyone by surprise at their size uh, over the weekend. Um, But it doesn't really come uh, as that much of a surprise that there was anger here, not just uh, about what was happening in America, but also the report that we got that the government tried to suppress, which showed that BAME people were being heavily impacted much more than white people uh, by covid if you were black you were twice as likely to die from covid 19 and so there was anger about that and the systemic reasons for that um and so yeah understandably there were huge protests here and then we've seen the uh, the pulling down of the statue of edward colston in bristol the slave trader that ended up in the harbor uh, and today actually a london borough has decided to take down a statue of another slave trader. They've done it this time with JCB. Uh, That's Robert Milligan, uh, who was on a position which was in the London Docklands, outside the Museum of London Docklands, sort of near Canary Wharf. And they have decided that it's no longer right that that stands there, uh, given his activities uh, in the slave trade. And this is now a question that is really spreading around the country as to what statues should be remaining in public spaces like this
2: i got to say, Vincent, I can understand that I find it preposterous that someone like Colston was still being celebrated or, or honoured in statue form. I would have thought, though, that to, to go after a statue of Winston Churchill, who, despite what some might validly argue about his policies in countries like India, Churchill's defining achievement was defeating Hitler. And to, to call that man a, uh, a, a racist, given that he... he did such a heroic job battling the Nazis seems extraordinary. I would have thought that's the point at which the British mainstream totally parted company with these protests.
1: I mean, it it very much depends. I mean, yeah, of course, you cannot take away that Winston Churchill was the Prime Minister through the Second World War, that he fought the Nazis, but, you know, he doesn't enjoy universal acclaim. You know, the city of Coventry, which was sacrificed, Uh, in the war when the UK had uh, sort of cracked Enigma. They knew that the city was going to be heavily bombed. uh, And so Winston Churchill was aware of this, uh, that the Luftwaffe had this plan, um, but he didn't alert the city uh, and it largely burnt to the ground. Uh, Many people died that evening and it was later discovered that they did know that this was going to happen and that they knew it was, necessary sacrifice in war so you know a a tricky character if you go to Ireland you know Churchill's history in Ireland is not very good you know if you're of the kind of Catholic uh, persuasion in Northern Ireland you don't have a high opinion of Winston Churchill so like everyone in life that you know like everyone in history there is both good and bad Um, and you know there was that statue there obviously you know, many people think it sort of crossed the line that it was defaced. But many people have been, you know, it's prompted a conversation over the past couple of days as to, you know, well, what are some of the things, why would someone think of him like that? You know, I've got to say I was educated in two education systems. I was educated in the UK system and I was educated in the US system. The UK system has some glaring omissions mm. in its history, mm. uh, particularly to do with the slave trade. Particularly to do with imperialism, colonialism, it does not cover it. There is next to nothing about what happened in Ireland in the British history curriculum. You're dead right about slavery too. The
2: the, the, the whole issue with slavery is often reported as an American as an American phenomenon. Mm.
1: Of course, yeah, because Mm. it persisted there. But you know, who set up that? Who set up that trade? You know, this part of the problem is, I think, with this is that Britain doesn't talk about these things, and if it rectified this in its education system, um, then, you know, we might have proper conversations about this, and things might not get as heated and have these huge eruptions like we had. You know, there is a genuine question here. Do we need another costume drama to be made um, when there aren't any dramas about the fact that Britain had a slave trade, Mm. or what we did when we got to other lands? what happened when we got to Australia. I mean, you don't see those things being made because it is uncomfortable, but it then does educate people as to what happened. You know, one of the most uncomfortable experiences I've ever had was watching the movie 12 Years a Slave, uh, which was American produced, um, in a cinema in South London where I was one of the only white people there. And it was a very difficult experience to, you know, because we don't portray that history enough. We don't show it enough. And it made me reflect, so heavily afterwards um, about this and I think there's a duty to educate yourself and the benefit that I got by being in another system was I learnt that history and was pretty shocked when I would talk about it in history class and you know it wasn't being covered, other people didn't know it and I think Britain has a problem with sweeping things under the rug and if you do that uh, you can only do that for so long before it becomes a Mm. mountain. And things
2: like this happen. Which, in an equally provocative vein, you could say too that our country inherited that from your country because, for uh, more than two hundred odd years, we had a, we persisted with the legal fiction that this country was called Terra Nullius in Latin, which meant that it had no inhabitants mm. in 1788. Yeah. So there's, you made some valid and provocative points, then, Vincent. Appreciate it. Yeah, you
1: know, it's, it's difficult, but I think you know the problem is that people just don't want to have these kind of conversations. Yeah, um, and I think that you know sometimes like some events like this mean that people do and they do reconsider it. You know that's what we're seeing in the US happening in terms of police and how you know that they exercise their force and things like that. The conversation that we have to have in the UK now is, you know, facing up to the history and the legacy of a lot of what Britain did. Hilary Mantel, who wrote. Um, you know, the excellent Henry VIII, Thomas Cromwell books, uh, Bring Up the Bodies and all that, you know, she said at Wolf Hall, she has a fantastic quote about, you know, saying, you know, what Britain does outside of its own shores is largely unforgivable when you really read about it. There are many other countries that have done the same, you know, the King Leopold statue today being brought down uh, in Belgium as well, Uh, but Britain has a a knack for not wanting to reflect on that sometimes. Hmm. And I think, you know, we've had it today, Ethel Hirsch, who was a Barrister, former barrister and journalist, uh, sort of brilliant black writer, someone I used to work with at Sky News, you know, was in a sort of debate about this with Nick Ferrari, who I also used to work with at LBC, a main <laughs> presenter here of Breakfast Show, and, you know, she brought up the subject, and his just first response was, well, if you don't like it, why don't you leave this country? The woman who's born and raised <laughs> in Britain and Jeez. to just try and shut down debate and talk on it, and that is happening too often, And that is something that has come from the last couple of years of Remain, Leave, Divide, and the way we've been divided. It's just people turning around saying, well, why don't you leave? To people who were born here and have the same right that you have to live here. And I think that today has kind of, you know, caused more problems because we're just not having grown-up, adult, reflective conversations on it. It just becomes so defensive. And I think that, you know, whilst the scenes, you know, obviously do not condone violence towards people, but, you know, a bit of spray paint that can be washed off if it leads to a proper growing-up conversation about this history, I think that's valid.
0: Yeah, eloquently mm. put, Vincent. And uh, great insight as always, mate. Thanks for your time.